what's the crack guys um this is i suppose technically episode 10 of modern life is rubbish um i haven't been uh doing podcasts at all really since uh, i spoke to chris kerr um a couple of months ago um but hey ho we will we'll get back at it uh, i did do a podcast however with someone else um for their own podcast a guy called wayne denner invited me to be on his podcast um zero lives left have a wee check of that on spotify wayne is a i don't actually know what wayne does no i'm joking he's a cyber something or other thing uh look him up if you've got kids um he he does a lot of work around cyber safety um online reputation that sort of thing um but look him up trust me and yeah, so he invited me to be on his uh, Zero Lives Left podcast, which is about business and life and all those things. So for some reason, he thought that I would be a good person to talk to um, about business and the pitfalls and experiences and, and all that stuff. So um, I was very grateful to him for, for inviting me on. So thank you, Wayne, and to Danielle as well, his uh, competent uh, assistant. So this is basically it. Um, I will be back hopefully soon with an interesting not that this isn't interesting but with a fun podcast um and and some fun guests so thank you very much to everyone who's been asking and uh yeah stay tuned so thank you very much thanks for joining me on episode 53 of the zero lives left podcast yeah take us back to where it all started for you in the hospitality business i suppose i know you from from that industry from that space let's say yeah um but i gather it didn't start in the metropolis of newry city it, it it happened actually somewhere else yeah it happened in the metropolis of newtown hamilton town which is uh this the second largest town in south Armagh. i don't know you might need to fact check that one um but it's it's, it's definitely no cross mclean but it's bigger than bleak um yeah we had a family pub in the early 90s so that was as much fun as you can imagine it would be and I was 10 and pulled my first pint when I was probably 10 and a half uh, which was good and just generally soaked up the atmos of early 90s uh, drinking in South Armagh Now being involved in a family business obviously you're exposed to the raw reality of business I mean you see it all you hear it all you see how difficult it is and how challenging it is. Um, you probably learned a lot in those days. That uh, I, pro- I probably didn't learn an awful lot about, about the nuts and bones of business because of my age. Um, I probably wouldn't have been brought into any... Well, there was obviously no strategy to it either because there generally isn't a strategy with small family business until you get to a point where you need to implement a strategy. If that's growth or, you know... Um, and there's only so much that... I, small pub can grow uh, so I probably didn't get the business end of things but definitely the working with the public and all that sort of stuff was definitely through in at the deep end there like, and saw a lot heard a lot and is as is the code you don't say what you hear or tell what you see so I can't give you any can't give you anything more than that. Any of the juicy. It's all sacrosanct. <laughs> now after that you moved uh, to other establishments I think I first came across you, came in contact with yeah. you whenever you were working in the bank bar bank, and restaurant. Yeah. And yeah. you were, you started off there 
was fresh fresh out of uh, a, a six weeks politics course in Queens, also known as a degree that I dropped out of. Uh, so I had all good intentions of going back, but didn't go back because I loved my new job too much. And uh, yeah, that job was the bank. So full time, full time bar and floor, and just sort of, you know, by default or whatever, work my way up in there. So it was a baptism affair. Now times were different back then, and I can I know the time you're talking about. More and more people were going out. Nightclubs were busy. Bars and restaurants were generally busy. Um, you had a lot of different experiences in there. You started off, I suppose, in you know learning the basic the ropes. Uh, and then you moved through your management at one point? Yeah, it was management. Um, well, it was different tiers of management. Again, there may not have been a great strategy uh, involved there because the bank as was and as still is a family business. Um, and I think it's quite difficult whenever you are a family business and you get bigger and demands sort of grow when you have to innovate a wee bit. It's hard to, um, it's hard to stick your chest out and become not a family business anymore when you're bringing in outsiders and stuff but at the time it was unreal um, a grinder's really noisy isn't it but sorry it's, 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 it's a working it's a working yeah. podcast um, I loved it it was it was unreal but it was different times it was different times um, there was oodles of money about whether or not it was real money or fake credit or whatever way you want to look at it um, either way people were spending money like sweets so it was fun and nobody seemed to have any worries, you know, about mortgages or, you know, interest rates or anything like that. Everybody was just out to have a good time. So as you move through your, your early career, let's say from the family pub to working in a, another, let's say, family organisation, uh, learning different aspects of how that business worked and how uh, that business um, generated its revenue. Times were different back then. You sort of moved slightly different. I think I first I came across you again in Cookstown of all places. Cookstown. In a petrol station. Yeah, mid-Ulster. The very mid of mid-Ulster. Maybe it isn't actually, I don't know. Um, yeah, I was in a petrol station. I had at least a petrol station for a few years, which was a weird departure, but... Uh, so, so we're going from the hospitality space yeah. into a petrol station. Yeah. Completely different clientele. It's different clientele, but at the end of the day, you still have, you know, the very essence of the hospitality industry is that you must be hospitable and you must be hospitable in retail as well. So it's, you know, it's the same kind of thing. And regardless of what you're selling, you're still selling something and you have to engage with your end user. So it wasn't a massive change. Um, just had to dial down obviously you know you didn't have to use a tray anymore and you didn't have to be you'd have to be a wee bit less different maybe but nonetheless you know friendly if that makes any sense so your clientele may have been different there um but it was almost adapting the approach adapting the strategy the business obviously was was much more different than, than yeah the business is yes yeah, yeah it is it is totally different because there's less emphasis on service not not to say that service isn't important um but you know that can be covered with basic manners and a wee bit of you know um, a wee bit of mental arithmetic savvy. That's about as much as you need there. But uh, yeah, definitely the service end of things. You don't have to you know it's a very short transaction time and a higher turnover. So, but it's it's good. It's good. Now your customer service would be different, let's say. Yeah. 
Um, and I've experienced that. Um, I've experienced different levels of it. So yours is very much based on, of course, building the relationship with the customer is very important, but it is very much based on banter, a bit of fun, yeah, a bit uh, of comedy. Yeah, we bet. I will, you know, you can't, you can't take the same approach with every single customer because every every customer is different, and you know, yeah, you, you can you can weigh it up quite quickly as to whether or not you know your customer wants to be sworn at or uh, slagged in any way. Uh, and well, thankfully, I've never I've never misjudged it to a degree where it's been a complete failure. Um, I've had a few times where you know something has landed wrong, um, but I've never I've never been unable to recover from it. You know, but it's just about having that. You know, but that comes with experience too. Um, most people do respond well to to a bit of banter and a bit of um, what's the what's the word um, realness. You know, because a lot authenticity. of authenticity. Yeah, yeah. I just I remember working with a guy and he was from. He was he was from England, I'll not say where, um, but he was he was an English an English chap, and the the, the push was on to make um, good tips because we were, you know, we used to just sort of survive on our tips uh, during the week until he got paid on the Friday, and uh, we decided to have like a wee competition between us, and he went full scale traditional waiter, and he walked around with his hands behind his back, you know, the whole time, and. Uh, you know, like being really, really over the top. You know, I am a classic waiter, almost like a butler, um, to his section of tables. And I remember thinking to myself, "You are tit," you know, because uh, it just didn't work. It didn't work in Yuri. You know, it may have worked in you know a, a five-star restaurant in Park Lane or somewhere, but it wasn't going to work in Yuri. And I, I got, I got on better than he did in terms of tips just by being normal and not being stuffy and that sort of thing, which works better over here. Now, take me back to that time when you leased the petrol station. Yeah. Uh, let's let's look at that, that and some of the things that you learned there. Would, would that have been your first entry to running your own business, leasing the business off somebody else, yeah. obviously, and then having to make it work? Yeah. What were some of the challenges along the way, the difficulties that you had to overcome? Difficulties? Um, Hmm. It was actually fairly straightforward because you don't have to, you know, because it's not as labour intensive as hospitality is, you don't have to worry too much about, uh, the, the main thing you have to worry about is your staff, is, is staff turning up, you know, because if you don't have cover, then your business can't operate and it'll it'll fall on you as the owner to, to plug that gap. So having reliable staff, but that's something that you, you can't really control, you can't control whether someone is going to be reliable they either are or they aren't and mm. but once you get that team sorted out then you're okay but in terms of the actual operation of the business it is quite straightforward you buy things and you sell them and that's it you don't have to do anything else to them other than um put them on the shelf and you know you, given the location of the place and because it was you know on the fringes of cookstown and you had a lot of pass and trade you didn't have to put much thought into merchandising your your products or um, you know anything like that to try and enhance sales or you know obviously there's small things you can do but it, you didn't have to put an awful lot of brain power into it it was just a case of be fully stocked buy the stuff correctly pay for it and then just sell it and I remember that petrol station it was on a, it was on a good location it was just off the yeah. roundabout there you had Asda on the left hand side yeah. on up the road and as you're coming out of Cookstown you know that, yeah. that's where you were yeah so you would have had a lot of pass and trade yeah a lot of pass and trade and um a lot of pass and trade 
because there's there's a few conference centers and stuff sort of around that area so you would have had people uh, from all over the north sort of dropping in maybe looking for directions buying something yada 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 and then because of the range of products that we did home heating all that caper um, bulk items and stuff you would have had a lot of locals mm. um, using it as a partial sort of weekly shop destination uh, so you had a good you had a good mix of, of people and a good mix of spend as well so what happened next? Where did the journey take you next after that? Was it back into Newry? Was it back to the hospitality space? Yeah, back to Newry. Um, I got sick of driving. I was I did about three or four years of uh, driving 80 mile a day, which is it doesn't sound like much to some people, but it was a lot to me. And, uh, it's and a, not the best roads. Not a great road. Very boring <laughs> road. Um, I think I, I exhausted my CD collection. I think that's what the problem was. Um, and there was no such well there were such things as podcasts but it was uh, it wasn't a big thing at, at that stage and there's only so much Hugo Duncan you can listen to the wee man from Strabane that's fake news I love Hugo <laughs> Duncan I think he's a legend have you ever interviewed him? I haven't no uh, and I must admit I do tune into him an odd time I like him but a banter from Hugo does no harm yeah very very little harm um, yeah so I came back to Newry um, I wanted to the as straightforward and as financially rewarding as having a shop is um, it, it, I was bored I was bored stupid so the Makui coffee empire was born empire is a very generous word Wayne. but it was more than one at one point it was more than one I did have another one that uh, spectacularly failed and nosedived and knocked my confidence um, but yeah which was five years ago and I, you learned from that I did learn from that I did learn from that. And what would be uh, the biggest learning from that experience? If you could sum it up to three things, what would you say? Um, don't let your balls be bigger than your brains. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which is a problem. It is. It depends on where you keep your brains. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't let your balls be bigger than your brains. Um and just because you've thought something out to the nth degree doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work anyway and the third one would be you're better to regret doing something than regret not doing it yeah um i would have been annoyed at myself if i had no effort it seemed like a good idea i did do the legwork in terms of research and footfall and stuff to get past it and that's the one thing that that it annoyed me at a stage but it, it just proved the point I spent, I'd say, a good six weeks casing, casing the place, which was operating as a coffee shop at that time. And I got myself a wee clicker, and I clicked um, every person that walked past it. Uh, and I will say past it, I mean past the actual door. Bear in mind that that street's quite narrow. So even though, you know, if you're walking on the opposite side of the street, you know, you could still feasibly capture a customer because it's so close. Um, and there's a good crossing and stuff there. But I can't, I can't remember the exact dates. Yeah. But I mean, it was the footfall was good. The footfall was there. The footfall was there, and I was sort of thinking to myself, right, well, if I can even capture, you know, five percent of this footfall that's going past the door, you know, on an hourly basis, that would still be the basis of a good, you know. And can I ask a question? Is there a why there? Why didn't that work? So if, if we take in that the footfall was there because you did the clicker yourself, yeah, you know, it wasn't somebody saying to you, look, well, there's X amount of people walking up and down. Why do you think? That because didn't convert. Newry is a small town, and what I've also learned, and what I'm what, not what I've learned, but what I'm starting to gather from having this conversation with other people from small towns or even large towns around 
um, the north is that Northern Ireland is a small town in itself. Okay. Um, just because you have footfall there does not mean that they're a captive audience. Yeah. Um, and because you have a lot of things against you, you have you know you're you're battling against like entrenched habits yeah, and right, routines yeah. of people who who have lived their whole life around routine. Um, and probably because there were a lot of businesses, especially in the hospitality end of things, that were there on their own. There was maybe two or three in the town for say 25 years mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden there's an influx of you know similar businesses that have all just come you know onto the scene but for 25 years people have been going to the same three places and they don't care that somewhere new is opened mm. because it's not on their radar it's not on their radar it's not you know just because you live eat sleep breathe and dream about a business idea does not mean that anyone else does because it's all going on inside your head and it might be it going on inside your head for a year, for five years, or for 20 years. And once you get to the stage where you unleash it, you expect everybody to have been on the same journey as you. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. not because they don't know about it. You know? So that's a big kick in the teeth. But when once you get your head around that and you understand it, you can sort of make peace with it. Yeah. And that's something that I can really relate to. You know, just because you think the idea is going to be something that is going to be a success or is going to work. And, and even though you've done copious amounts of research, and you know you've did all that and it's a lot more difficult in reality isn't it well the the actual working example of this is that i opened the shop over there one morning and baked my own scones did all the things that you know you do whenever you have a coffee shop and it's all you know cottage industry nonsense and you know it's all cute and did that opened the doors out onto a beautiful sunny hill street with lots of people bustling around at like half nine and there's you know you can smell scones out in the street and everything's beautiful and I'm writing out you know a, a, an A board saying you know freshly baked blah 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 and there was about three or four women coming along and they looked in you know they saw the doors open they looked in and oh that place looks lovely and they, they watched what I was writing on the board which was you know freshly baked scones just out of the oven and they all looked at it and, and, and agreed that there was a lovely smell and it looked lovely and they walked right on over to the shelter. Yes. You know, but again... That's those entrenched habits. That they've been doing that for the last maybe 40 years, who yeah. knows? Yeah. So, you know, it's just not on their radar yeah. to, to step out of that routine. Yeah. So, and yeah. you can't, you really can't fight that. You can't yeah. capture, you can do all you can to suggest to people and be suggestive to them but you can't actually lasso them in and would it be fair to say then uh, on that top and on that point that it doesn't really matter how much marketing you do whether it's adverts in newspapers whether it's adverts on radio whether it's social media yeah I think you have to become part of the the stream of consciousness for people um, big showy marketing can well especially a lot of people seem to you know fall into that nonsense of using price as a marketing tool mm -hmm. and that especially in a small town it's just smacks of desperation yeah it does and people don't people tend to shy away from desperation you always get you know like a wee nucleus of people that will follow price um but you, that's not the customer that you want obviously you want all the customers that you can get and you're grateful and you're appreciative of their support but you know that's not going to be someone who is going to be loyal to you, you know, or to loyal to your brand, or your product, or just loyal to money. So what do you, what do you, what do you mark that down to? That experience in that business, do you mark that down to 
failure or do you mark that down to a learning experience um, or both? It's, it's funny, I find it amusing to, to mark it as a failure because then I can laugh at myself about it and that's part of my brand is that sort of self-deprecation and stuff. Um, but it's, yes, it is, technically it is a failure in that the business did not survive. And, you know, but yes, I did gain knowledge from it, you know, and it's maybe, it, it, gives, you, it gives you learning, you know, yeah. and that's learning doesn't pay bills, but especially at this stage, because I'm still relatively young, it means I can apply that learning to something else if Definitely. I need to or I want to. That's funny, Leanne, because, you know, if, if you read into the sort of whole mantra of business and you look at what's happening in different parts of the world, if you look at America, for example, some of the most successful entrepreneurs have ran businesses that have crashed and burned. But in that uh, world that they live in, in in the United States, they're a success in a sense. Yeah. Like um, um, Americans in particular, and we're not going to get into the whole ins and outs of all of that we're just going to say if a business or a business owner fails the, the community embraces them and I've always found here uh, and I've been like yourself involved in a number of different businesses over the years as you know from the days of outlastnight.com yeah. to everything in between and I've always found that there's been some of those businesses along the way like you have failed yeah. and they just haven't worked whether it was too early and I always look at the curve in business and what I've always found in my own sort of business experience to date most of the time, I've been ahead of the curve. You're either ahead of the curve, you're before the curve, or you're on the curve. And where you're going to make money is when you're on the curve. Mm. Never never ahead of it or never behind it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really what I've learned. But in my feelings along the way, people have laughed at it. People have joked about it. Ah, sure, fuck, you know, your man or whatever, you know. And, and I find that to be a problem in this area, but in Northern Ireland in general. We don't embrace failure. And I think we should embrace failure because we're only going to be able to learn by failing. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be able to take that learning that you, you know, from that experience that you had with that particular time to where you are now. Yeah. So I think we have to fail. Yeah. I think like en masse, people do, you know, scoff at, at people who fail. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the people in your inner sanctum and your, your your inner circle are not going to be those people. They're, they're the people that will put their arms around you and that will have supported you in the first instance and will continue to do so whether or not you fail. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's those are the people that you have to concentrate on. The the you know the people outside of that realm, you know, it's hard not to listen to them. Yeah. Um but it is I think it is exclusively not so much an Irish thing actually, because you know the slickers down down in, in the south are a wee bit more American in their outlook. Yeah, in their thinking. Yeah. Um, but I think because, I think Northern Ireland has a very special set of circumstances um, attached to conflict and the emergence from conflict yeah. in that um, it's probably trauma related like realistically and I know I'm laughing to myself here but it probably is ridiculously trauma related and uh, you know that we're a put upon race of people, um, I want to say a race of people. I mean, you know, inhabitants of the north or Northern Ireland, whatever you want to call it, and that's you know, irrespective of gender, religion, you know, political persuasion, anything like that, because we've been embattled for so many years that you shouldn't put your head above the precipice. That you should just take on, you know, you should just you should just be, mm. you know, and and 
to want to be more than what you are is weird to people that they don't really understand it that you know but I think the fact that we had a good solid what 30 years there of people just literally trying to go about their daily business without getting blew up or shot right and that's the reality of it which seems very dramatic but it was essentially a reality you know so it was an achievement just to, to, to have a job and to you know go about your daily business and you know and everything would be fine so for somebody to come along and say well you know in, in I don't know what in the early 80s and say I want to open a, a juice bar you say what, what are you talking about there's bigger things to be worried about than fucking opening a juice bar you know so I don't know if that's a, if that humility is is still entrenched even if you call it humility but it's just it's not it's a it's a an insular you know thing that's just going to pervade for a long time but I think it'll eventually go you know one of the things that I find challenging locally is doing business locally um, I found it difficult over the years I found whilst we have some form of support it hasn't been great an example would be um, you know where I am currently in my own business there would be nobody from the local economic sort of council slash and again I'm not I'm not pointing the finger I'm not sort of lambasting I'm no, not you're sort just of, being passive aggressive I'm, I'm just making an observation um, but but the, the support hasn't been great for encouraging startups. Yes, we've had success stories, first derivatives. Yes, we've had other success stories, stat sports. There's been a number of them. Um, but there's a lot of other businesses out there in a lot of different industries and a lot of different sectors that, that really haven't got any support, that have really had to sort of do it off their own bat. Um, we're now in a very difficult economic climate. You're very aware of that. Yeah. I'm very aware of that. Innovation is key at the moment. Um, your business has had to innovate. Would that be fair to say? I mean, you've got this hatch opened up here. Yeah. That would seem to me that that's a type of innovation. Well, necessity is necessity. The more, yeah. More of well, call it what you want. Yeah. But let's say innovation. Now, from that perspective, we're sitting in your coffee shop here today. There's no seats out. Um, the hatch is opened. Yep. Um, what would be some of the sort of things that you're starting to think of that that may help your business? Um, innovate as we move forward because we're not kind of thinking about uh, you know this is going to end today or tomorrow or next week it's probably going to end sometime in the future if it ends at all yeah what other innovations are you looking at here in Macquarie's? Um it's hard to know because at the minute I don't think um, the customer base know what they want you know um, every, everything's very very up in the air and um People are worried about safety. They're worried about uh, they're worried about what other people think. Uh, so you know that's a big thing. It's it's so so early, and I don't even think the the true effects of this whole crisis are going to be felt for at least like it's you're talking a year, you know, sure. on down the line, and yeah. then it's going to again pervade for whatever length of time after that five ten years. Who knows? Um, but there's basic innovation. I don't. I don't like using the term innovation because it's you know you're not reinvent. You're not reinventing the wheel as such. You're just you're you're accommodating. You're making accommodations based around what you can't do at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I can open at the minute because legally I can I can open. Um, but I'm choosing not to because I've worked out that changing my business model 
through necessity has actually been a very good decision and realistically if I was a cutthroat proper business person I probably should have closed my business maybe two or three years ago uh, based on what I was making for myself as in not the company um, but for me but that's not isolated in your industry I'm hearing from other people who run let's say coffee shops sandwich shops and now they're not opening Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday they're only choosing to open Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday yeah you can do the same it's like it's like having a, a it's like having a grocery shop that closes at 10 o'clock like, you know we have a, you know a business within the family that has been there for 50 or 60 years or something and it closes at 9 o'clock and it always sort of has done and I always remember saying why not open because a neighbouring business opens to 11. So my thought process was, well, you know, maybe if you open to 11 as well, you would capture the customers that would go to the other place. And the answer was, if you close at nine o'clock, you'll have people coming in the door at five to nine. Mm-hmm. If you close at 10 o'clock, the same people will be coming in at five to 10. You know, people, you know, just because you extend hours or whatever, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean. mean that, you know, you're opening, you're opening up to more, you know, and that's very base explanation of things. But yeah, you can definitely do as much in a shorter time frame. You know. And do you think, um, from a business perspective, uh, it's now more difficult to launch a business in this COVID nineteen world? Uh, do you think businesses can open? Um, I think once we get a handle on um, on what what is going to be a good way of working in terms of people being in buildings, you know, um, you alright there anyway? No, I was a nice bit of locking action there. I think once we get a handle on, on how to manage people in, um, in retail situations, then it might make things easier. But because it's so early, we don't know, you know, is, is social distancing at two, at two metres the best, one metre with a mask, with without a mask? You know, we're really in it's it's in its infancy this management of, of And we're in uncharted waters, I suppose. Exactly. As well. I don't want to use the term unprecedented or new normal no, because please it's ridiculous. Don't. <laughs> um, but once that happens, I mean there's still there's still a thirst there for new things. There's still a thirst for you know, what what would have been considered luxury five, ten years ago is now considered necessity. Like especially in this industry, coffee is you know well established now as a necessity but 10 years ago now I know you know we had our first sort of major coffee shop on up the street yeah. uh, what was he 2007 yeah he was yeah um, and that you know that was very much just on the curve and mm-hmm. nothing more yes you know um, but before that you know the thought of going out for a coffee or getting a takeaway coffee was literally something that happened on TV in America mm-hmm. you know um, and now you're seeing it you know now the donuts is the new thing you know and it's happened in the donut thing happened in Dublin about about four years ago three four years ago you had a couple of um, really high end donut shops you know that were churning out these really good looking luxury products you know and that's finally made its way up to Neary which suggests to me that it's no longer a luxury in Dublin anymore and they're just trading normally boom 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 you know because people were driving to Dublin for these donuts. Yeah, I can't actually remember the name of the donut place. I, I, I seen it on social John media George, one day. Yeah. Um, uh, I but yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you think um, we're going to see more of that? Um, as I understand, and Danielle tells me, this Dunkin' Donuts is now available in 
Kamla. Yeah. So why See, is it not near yet? Why, why is it there? Well, actually, Wayne, um, <laughs> I don't know how many years ago, but I'm going to go with it longer than 15 years ago. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts used to be out in the 24-hour in Belfast Road. Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins. I can, were like a, I can vaguely a dual, remember Baskin Robbins. Yeah, a dual sort or of franchise. Is it Baskin Robbins or Robbins? Bas- Baskin Robbins. Are you it? sure it's Robbins? No, Rubens? I'm not. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll fact check that. Fact check that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were out there at that stage. But yeah, I mean, I can, that was wildly ahead of the curve. Yeah, it was. Wildly so. No, I got excited about that. Whenever Danielle told me that uh, Dunkin' Donuts were available in... Camla. Mm-hmm. I got really excited about that. And then I realised, and you're probably going to bounce me out the door here for this statement, but then I was disappointed that there was no coffee. Because I do like Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. There. Dunkin' Donuts actually, well, I've, I, at the last time I was in New York, I probably had a coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. I can't remember if I was overly impressed by it or not. Um, but was it iced? No, no, no. no I like the iced. That's, that's, a nice, that's a nice thing for you. Yeah. Um, Iced coffee is, is becoming more of a thing here. See, this is a But if I came in here and asked you for an iced coffee, yeah. I, I could imagine your response to me. You see... Because you know me. Yeah, but <laughs> that you are making a snap judgment there because I sell a lot of iced coffee. I sell iced Americano, I sell uh, iced lattes, I have coconut milk, oat milk, almond milk, and soy milk. So you are... Making a, a snap. Now why would I not incorrect. know about that? Because hmm? that's going to lead me into our social media discussions. Yes, totally. you're very visible on social media, mm-hmm. and you have been for some time. And yeah. you're probably one of the most well-known characters on social media locally. Locally, locally. right? I've, you've been doing a lot of stuff on Snapchat over the years. Is that still a thing with you? No, not it's no, kinda, no. Yeah, I used to used to do some things around a, a well-known supermarket. We'll not mention yeah. no names. It's uh, it's more of a rural thing now snapchat okay you know um yeah uh, it's all it's all about the gram it's all about the gram it's the instagram the gram. uh yeah so, yeah but, so well, would yes. you be putting that type of stuff out on social media let people know what is the offering here in mccoy's in monaghan street what yes. can you get yeah now, i see a lot of the banter and the crack yeah and i know you were doing some baking stuff at one time you were yeah. showing people how to bake things yeah um you were doing all that type of stuff yeah i would it, it probably is hard to find a mix, but um, whenever I've done a few sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I, I've done a wee bit of, you know, work with different companies and stuff like that on a low level. And I, I've done a few, I don't want to say the word seminar, but like a workshop yes. on social media. Yeah. yeah. So I do workshops on social media if anybody's interested. Leanne does workshops on social media yeah. if anybody's interested. And the so I've had maybe a group of say 12 people, mostly drawn from hospitality, but from retail as well. And the first thing I do with them is shout at them mm. whenever I have them sitting down and talking and, and, and I shout stuff at them like, um, you know, lighter spore for appropriate pound. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, steak sandwich with onion rings and pepper sauce. And your choice of side is twenty four ninety five. You know, they sort of look at me and I'm like, they're like, what are you talking about? And I said that you know, if if you're putting content out like that on social media, that's what that is akin to. Is if you walk into a restaurant, the first thing that your server does is say hello. Yes. It's not, you know, chicken carbonara. You know, with garlic bread, eight ninety five. Yeah. That's not what they do. The first thing they do is to say hello, and they might make a wee bit of small talk with you. Have so, some banter. 
have some banter. So basically, social media is no different than having a conversation with you know face to face with your customer. So approach it in the same way. Um, but I probably have gone heavier on the banter mm. because I find that's what gets me engagement. Um, so at this stage of the game, you're talking, if I was to quantify it, you know, would probably be 70, 30 uh, banter sales, which it should probably be more evenly weighted, you know, and there are times whenever, to be honest, if I find that sales are slow, I will go into I wouldn't say a panic mode, but Jesus, maybe I need to sort of actually tell people what I'm doing because you have to remember that people, you know, you have new people constantly following you all the time. So if I have, say, a couple of dozen people that have followed me, very, you know, within a week, they may just be getting banter content yeah. without actually realising, well, hold on, this person's actually selling something and is operating the business. They're not just talking for the sake of talking. And it's important for business to realise that, you know, there's no point in just going on to social media and talking for the sake of talking. Yes. There needs to be a strategy behind it. And if you find locally businesses have been, let's say, slower to embrace the social media world of the gram and the Snapchats and these type of platforms, <laughs> has there been a sort of reluctance to get on board with it? Put it this way, if I, because again, small town um, with with businesses, family run businesses in it, um, if I operate, say, a clothes shop in Newry or wherever, Banbridge, Cookstown, wherever, for 40 years, and all of a sudden there's this new thing that comes along, i.e., social media, um, that is free for me to advertise on and you know and it has all these these benefits and people are raving about it but i don't really know anything about it because i've never had to and you know in some cases you know businesses like that that are like like second generation businesses they've never had to advertise or market or have a strategy you know and i mean that in terms of print media you know let alone would you run an advert in the newspaper today no why oh uh, well I'm not locally. I'm just saying in general. Would you would 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 you perceive that to to work for businesses today? It depends on the cost, and it would have to be something that is very innovative and very eye-catching and very outside the box. And it probably wouldn't be. Um, don't get me wrong. As I said before, there is an element of people who will gravitate towards price, and not knowing the price point of a venue may put them off even going into that venue because they're not sure of what you know they have to take with them in terms of money um, there are places that are known for the pricing right and for that reason or their perceived pricing and that will put people off uh, just thinking of coffee shop very nearest mm, okay. that some people will not go into because they perceive it to be high end in terms of price um, so if I put an advert in the paper, say I really splurged, took a thousand pound plus to that, and took a full page ad out uh, with my menu in it, as is with pricing and all, I imagine I would probably get some form of business out of that based on price. But again, it's not loyal. And, you know, your print, especially in terms of newspaper, is appointment based. You know, so you read it if you buy it. So you like to buy it, you will read it. Not necessarily, depending on the placement. There's so there's so much that you have to consider when you know the side of the 
you know, the paper that you're in, are you right hand, are you left hand page, you know, where, where is the placement of it, um, the print quality of it, and then what do you put into it, whereas, and then you have to pay for that. And then it's more localised as well. It is. Whereas you're on Instagram, and I mean, I was having a hunt through and reading some reviews online. I mean, people don't just come from the local area to McCool's. There are people who've drove down from Dublin or have been passing through and have heard of you on Instagram or whatever it is. Is that just we must call in? There's also a, a huge amount of my followers who will never be a customer here mm-hmm. because they are UK, um, America, um, Australia, things. And I, and I mean, like, you know, indigenous to those countries. And the likelihood of them ever coming to Ireland is really slim. Um, but, but then is there an opportunity to bring McCooey's online if we're talking about the whole digital transformation of that? There's and I know you've dabbled with this. You've brought out some cups and stuff. Yeah. I've seen some things yeah. over the years. Was that an attempt to maybe to, to look at that? Um, it was an attempt to to dip the toe in and see merch, depending on how you buy it and where you buy it, can be very lucrative. Um, and from a profit margin perspective, it can be very good. Um, and also, if you're you're thumping your logo once, like, then you have that sort of you know subliminal advertising there. Um, I have probably been reluctant to go full throttle with it because there's a part of me, the Northern Irish part of me, says, "Why the fuck would somebody want to have a fridge magnet that says McCoo's on?" Mm-hmm. You know, like. So, but that's that's the. the but the reality is, people do. I mean, I I I, I used to drive down Monaghan Street. On a regular basis, and I used to just look and see what have you got written on the board. Yeah, because this board in itself. Yeah, I mean, and I, there would be a message on it or something. Yeah, there would be something that would just be funny. The board goes down well, and it it is it is a good thing. And it says now closed till the storm passes. Closed the storm passes. I wrote that the day that um, Michelle and Arlene declared non-essential closed. Um, before reading the nuts and bolts guidance that said takeaway was still an option, um, but I, I haven't rubbed it off yet. And I don't know why. But there've been some other more memorable ones as well, where that have really went. Yeah, well, I mean, it's what, viral on social media. Oh, viral, loose, lo- locally viral, locally viral, locally viral. Yeah, um, but that's—I think—that's the big thing that people often miss on social media. Forget about global going viral. Yeah, go viral locally. Yeah, you know that's huge. Well, it no, can be. It can, yeah, it can be. But so a well-timed, appropriate or inappropriate, as the case may be, um, you know, joke about something current affairs will um, go down well. It's all right, let him in. He's grand. Sorry, we're just, we're letting, we're letting somebody in. Um, even, even though we're not open to the public, we're still, we're still letting the We'll make the odd exception, we'll make the odd exception. Um, so, so that board in itself has been a valuable marketing tool, yeah, let's say. The, so, so someone, uh, you know, a social media skeptic might say, well, and I tell you who the biggest one is is my dad. And in the very early days of Facebook Live, I went live one day, and there was maybe thirty thousand views on it, mm-hmm. right? And I told him this, right? No, no one in my heart that he doesn't really care, right? But and doesn't really grasp social media. But at the end of the day, if you say thirty thousand people have viewed something or yeah. you know, you have a you have a notion of what that is. What what is Croke Park whole eighty, seventy, yeah. eighty thousand? Yeah. Right? So for talk's sake, half a Croke Park yeah. watched this video. And he said, Right, okay, that's great. He says, Did thirty thousand people gonna come in here now? 
you know, I'm saying no, they're not, obviously, that's not how it works, and you're saying, well, you know, it doesn't really mean anything then, yeah. but I would go down that, the 1% route there, yeah. so if 1% of that 30,000, if that translates into sales, however slow, then that's a win, right, but then the friends of those 30,000 people, yeah will you say oh you know I saw something really funny the other day there was some somebody talking about something in a car park right now the biggest thing that came out of that live video was behind me I didn't realize there was a car with a flat wheel right flat tire and as it turned out it actually was one of the girls in here but people were commenting live saying that yoke has a flat you ring king fit and things like that. So, and there was there was uh, like tire companies getting tagged in it. So there's stuff. a lot of crossover there. Yeah, but that was from one thing that I hadn't intended to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a bit of banter in that, and I went from that. Did you see the flat? Did you see the flat tire and the yoke? You know, in that video. What video? The video of your woman uh, talking in the car park. Who's that? McCoys. Where's that? You know, on Mallon Street there. It's a cat. It's only a wee cafe place. No one ever heard of that. So it's all very tenuous word of mouth. Yeah. But. Again, as I said earlier on, calling back to that notion of if you can establish a place in a stream of consciousness, then that's the aim that you're going for, rather than just screaming at someone, "I can do you a favor, favor," yeah. you know, because that doesn't generate, it doesn't, it doesn't spark an emotion in anybody. So, businesses listening to the podcast today, maybe looking, what be three tips, three, three tips. simple tips, take um, your social media to the next level, take your social media forward. What do you need to be thinking about? Uh, right if you're not educating people entertaining them or empowering them forget about it yeah. uh, so entertain educate or empower uh, you're, you're aiming to and this is and find of, your personality yeah this builds into one as well uh, right so on that topic right some people don't have a personality that translates well into uh, being an entertainer right so my content entertains on the rare occasion, it will educate because, as you said, I've been showing people how to bake and, and wee tips and hacks around cooking, right? So that's education. People will take that and retain that information because it's pertinent. Yeah. Uh, entertainment, we can all buy into entertainment, you know, if you get a chuckle. Uh, empowerment, which is a massive one um, at the minute, is the like sort of little penny thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, to just comes to mind straight away because there's, you know, quotes and stuff there around reassurance, mindfulness. Um, you know things like that and that that will resonate with people one of the biggest local Facebook followings in this town and I'm sure well you know who it is right Um, but you may not know who it is is Irish memory cards I do know who it is right yeah Irish have you seen the stats I haven't no Irish memory cards has around half a million followers on Facebook right they're based in a very small street in a a very small part of Newry right Um. But unfortunately, the emotion that they are, cap- I don't want to say capitalizing on, but the emotion that's that's triggered with people there is around grief. There's an emotional connection there. Yeah, uh, around grief, reassurance, um, around you know topics around sort of grief and loss and and managing you know the death of a loved one, stuff like that. And as grim as that is, the reality is that people, you know, it fires an emotion in people and therefore creates engagement, yeah. and their engagement is absolutely massive massive yeah i think the emotional connection aspect yeah. of it's really important yeah and people need to really sort of try to tap into that yeah. where possible and so also where appropriate yeah you're, you're tapping into emotion another thing another tip would be is to be consistent um 
if you're going to even bother with a social media presence, you must be consistent. And if that's one post a week, right, that's taking it to an extreme. If it's one post a week, make it one post a week. Have a, have a select time for it. Um, if it's three times a week, if it's once a day, if it's twice a day, um, and then also bear in mind, don't overkill it. Yeah. Right? Don't do it five times a day because people will just switch you off. Uh, but be consistent with it and be consistent with your branding, your logos, your fonts, um, even what, what app you're using to create images or to you know to take photographs. If you're using your Instagram and you're saving to your camera roll to put onto Facebook, do that all the time. Don't just you know go off kilter and use Snapchat or you know even your native camera app. You know just keep it all the same. One thing I've noticed about a lot of your social media, Leanne, is, and again, I'm following it as well, that you, you do make it very topical. Um, you're current sometimes, but you also spin in a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Because everybody loves a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia And I think you, awesome. you do that really well in the sense that a lot of the stuff, when I follow and see your social media, it's relatable to me, given my age demographic. Yeah. Because we wouldn't be too far no. in terms of the age no. demographic. Uh, nostalgia, that's, that's another part of emotion, though, as well. Yeah. That's a, you know people like nostalgia. It feels warm. It feels safe. It's yeah. secure. You've got you've got good memories. Sometimes you maybe have bad memories, um, or you know, depending on what you're coming into. But generally speaking, you know, and it's something that galvanizes people as well because it's especially around pop culture um, and things like that. You know, people can bond over it very well, and then that creates a natural engagement. Yeah, and it's engagement that you're looking for, meaningful engagement. And that's not difficult to do a lot of the times. And businesses think it's harder than it actually is. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is they do think it's harder than it is, and that you have to become someone else in order to achieve that. To achieve that, but you don't. And that's that's, that's probably the third thing is to be authentic yeah. and to be true to yourself. Now, if you are not the person for social media in terms of video, in terms of whatever, um, you either need to become, you, you need to get over it basically, or find someone within your business to become that face on social media and keep them, well, there's bound to be somebody, and I know soul traders and stuff like that, it is maybe difficult and you do have to do things you don't want to do, but you know, if you have a company there where you have you know, a big, bigger pool of staff, there, there must be at least one person who can be the personality or the face of your business. Yeah. And if your ego is too big to allow that, then you're just going to have to just accept the fact that you're not going to be a social media sensation. You know. Um, so you either have to step outside your own comfort zone and just be you. Because at the end of the day, yes, like I've, I've had this conversation with people say, oh, I don't want to be on, I don't want to be on a video, I don't want to be on a video. And I say, you need to realise that the internet is much, much bigger than you. Yeah. And that someone will watch that video and they will instantly forget it because you are competing with puppies trying to get into the same slipper as a kitten, yeah. as people falling, you know, yeah. into lakes and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, so you know, it it is very fleeting, and you have to really stand out to make people stop to stop scrolling, stop yeah. that thumb going. Um, and they'll just move on to something else. Yeah. Well, so. my big thing on social media content is throwaway. It's disposable a lot yeah. of the times. Yeah, as you say, somebody will watch it once and then they'll move on with their life. Yeah. The, the, the opportunity for you as a business is to continually push out consistent content that's on brand message and all of those types of things that feed into that whilst not trying to sell. 
Yeah. Sell doesn't work on social media, as you've already alluded to and you've already said. Somebody coming into your restaurant and just splurting out the offer straight away. Yeah. Build a relationship, build a rapport, build a connection with the person yeah. as well online. And I think what's so important that people need to keep in mind as well, it is about conversions as well. Yeah. You know, you've got to be trying to convert people. Um, and you do have to be thinking about that and keep that at the back of your mind all the time. And that's where a lot of businesses sometimes find that grey area. Ah, social media doesn't work. Yeah, it, yeah, it has to be subtle. You know, of sa- course. sales, you know, has to be subtle. Um, you know, if you're if you're building a relationship with someone, you're trying to almost make it seem as if you don't want their money. Yeah, that you want to be their friend. And you know, somebody asked me one time, you know, on a day to day basis, do I see people coming in through the door or do I see pound signs? And my answer was people. And that's probably a reason why I'm never going to be a very successful, financially successful business person. Um, because I do see the person as opposed to what's in their pocket. And, but that's just me. That's, that's who I am. And at least I, I know that's who I am. So on that topic, where do we see McCoys in five years' time? Three years' time? Is that too far to project right now in the current world that we're in? Or uh, A lot can happen in five years. I Is there a plan? No, there's no. Is plan. there a business plan? No. Oh, never, remember we talked about this. I've never, never written a business plan in my entire life. I've also never sat a formal interview uh, in my entire life. I have been on an interview panel, formal interview panel for, um, well, not say before, but, um, yeah, but I've never actually sat a formal interview. Um, I wouldn't get bogged down in that. A lot of people do, you know, business startups do tend to ruminate and obsess over business plans and stuff like that and you know if you want to call my foray into Hill Street you know me doing work on the numbers and stuff like that if you want to say that could be the formulation of a business plan you know if I had to put that down in writing and say you know there are 600 people every hour walking past this place blah 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 blah. if I had to put that all down in paper it would have sounded brilliant but the reality was that it didn't work so that has you know the experience there has made that business plan obsolete and I completely agree with you I've never had a business plan in all of the little businesses that I'm running my current startup that we've been developing and growing at the moment doesn't either have a business plan associated with it those things are very good if you're going to the bank and you're looking for a, a loan uh, but in, it's not re- it's not real a lot of the time it's no. not the reality of what it is no definitely not um, that's not to say that it isn't helpful to put ideas down on paper in a different way agree uh, I would be now the odd time, I I'm I'm a thinker I'm a constant thinker as in twenty four hours a day think 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 and people I don't think people realise that about me that it doesn't really ever stop uh, and sometimes if it gets overwhelming um if I'm thinking about three or four different things especially business related um I find it is helpful if you take a nice pristine white sheet of A four and you write a word in the middle of it so say say you're thinking about your your new business startup. Yeah. So write that. So write startup in yeah. the middle of the page. Draw a nice circle around it, and then just write out from there. Just line out from that and write the first word that comes into your head. Don't think. Right. So startup could be write uh, promotion, and then the next thing would be f- family life. Blah 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 blah. Don't think about it. You know, just get it onto the paper and then look at it and then take each one in turn. So say effect fa- on family circle around that line out from that you know talk to the wife uh, blah 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 blah. Ch- you know childcare whatever and sometimes that I don't know if you want to call it a mind map or something like that but it's basically trying to siphon off all those excess thoughts into your head 
or out of your head on the paper and then you can home in on ones and sometimes you write down things that you don't actually realise you've been thinking about so it does sound a wee bit out there yeah. but not out there but maybe a wee bit patronising um, but actually if you do it sometimes it can it can guide you and direct you a wee bit more focused you know definitely, definitely. there you go now today is A-level results day um, yep. in the not too distant future it'll probably be GCSE results yep. a lot of people apprehensive about there's a lot of talk in the media at the moment about predicted grades and algorithms 30% lower on the yeah. all sorts of stuff yeah. what would be your sort of three tips that we give to a younger Leanne McCoy let's say do some work <laughs> The younger Leanne McCoy coming out of the Sacred Heart Grammar School in Europe. Um, well, my, my A-level results were not what they should have been. Right? Nor mine. Um, <laughs> I, I was very... Uh, I, did, I did everything arse about face at school. So in fourth year, I was working. Boom. I was ready for GCSE in fourth year. Fifth year, bored. Bored of this now. Completely bored. Can we do something else now, please? Um, some of GCSEs probably weren't what they could have been and that was the same then in uh, in A level uh, sixth year I was I was ready to rock like so um, when I came to UCAS predicted grades three years no problem and I came out with a B C D then 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 um, in my defence it was two marks off a B in the politics three marks off actually got it remarked didn't mark me up we bit pissed off at CCA but that but whatever. No grudge there. No grudge. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't where, it, it, basically my A-level results have had no effect on my life. Um, I think that's really important yeah, for people I to understand. Yeah, I didn't work hard enough uh, when I was at school, but there were reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I am not a regurgitator of information, um, especially if I'm not wholeheartedly committed and interested by it. Um, and that's the type of that's literally who I am as a person um, could I have had but exams Leanne to be fair are regurgitators of information by their very nature yeah you but know it, the fact that you are able to regurgitate that information you're able to sto- you're able to store it process it, under, maybe not understand it all the time but you're able to recall it shows that you have been disciplined enough to be able to do that and discipline is something that is very important and is something I have never been able to master um, and probably was never pushed to. Uh, I did ask a woman that taught me one time, I was like, why did you not tell me to do a bit of work? And uh, she said, if we hadn't pushed you to do more work or to knuckle down, she said, you would have rebelled completely. So, you know, we were, I always had a good relationship with, with the teachers, you know, and was able to speak with them frankly and openly and she just said it was better just to let you do whatever you, you sort of wanted to do and just work from there and I was like you know what that's fair enough you know I still get into uni um, and you know yes I did drop out did I want to be in Queen's not really did I really want to go to university no not really uh, I did it because everybody else was doing it um, I sent the UCAS form off famously the girls always laugh about it um, because back in those days you obviously had to stick it into the post box and I stuck it into the post box in new time with a 50p sellotape clip on a Sunday evening because there was no stamps in the shop did it get there? yep ah, brilliant I literally sellotaped a 50 pence piece wow. onto the UCAS form the envelope on a way it went and yes it got there 
And, uh, it's gas. So, well, obviously, <laughs> the postman must have took pity, maybe, and, and, and went and got a, uh, you know, a stamp. Uh, but yeah, it got there. But I didn't want to go. I had no interest in going. But it was the dumb thing. Um, you know, nobody ever. It still is the dumb thing. Nobody sits down in, 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 well, I don't know about, you know, in a grammar school situation anyway, and says, here are the alternatives to, you know, you know, the classic going to do law, going to do medicine, going to do blah, blah, blah. Um, and th- th- those vocational subjects, if you decide you want to do it and you, and you go through all the steps, the means to the end, then fair play to you. But for the little dreamers and the wee creative people, you know, it's impossible to know what you want to do. If, if, you, if you're a dreamer or a creator, then unless it's art, like, you know, I don't know what schools are like now, but nobody ever mentioned the term multimedia in the Sacred Heart. Nobody said, you know, talked about, I don't know, sound engineering or production. Definitely there was no there was no cyber stuff at that stage. No. Um, but unless it was fine art, you know, art the, the arts weren't really yeah. talked about, you know? Yeah, I think there has been a bit of a shift now, you know, being a parent of, of two kids myself, you know, there is a little bit more of a shift in terms of the alternative routes into different career paths. You don't have to go down that A-level if you don't want to, you can go to the Southern Regional College. Yeah. You can take an some sort of course that gets you there, yeah. I, I, I guess. And that's good to see because whenever you were going through and, and even when I was going through those terms, like I remember my business studies class, I hated accountancy. And actually over the past number of years, I began to enjoy that aspect of the business, yeah. which is weird because yeah. when I was going through school, I hated accountancy and yeah. business studies for the most part. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, but the guy did business studies GCSE as well, and the fourth year and loved it. Mm. Listen, loved it, and then I think I got a C in it or something. And here you are running your own business. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into what you know. What could have been? <laughs> no, what, what 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 you know the education system's definition of a business is, yeah. as opposed to this actual skills the, that you need to, to run a business. You know, and I see this, Leanne, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent because talked about a lot of stuff today um, but and I see this sometimes on LinkedIn in particular I see academics delivering TED talks delivering workshops on entrepreneurship business startup and the reality of it is they've never ran a business yeah but here they are pontificating yeah from an academia point of view yeah. and I find that difficult to connect with it because the reality yeah. of it is unless you're in the trenches in your business or my business, you've no, and nobody's used a bad word yet. You have I did no say feck a couple of times. fecking idea. Yeah, would that be fair to say? I would agree with that. I mean, <laughs> whenever I was over in in the bank, right, um, I sort of ascended, you know, through whatever, right, whatever the journey was, right. But I didn't obviously didn't have any uh, third level education <laughs> that was meaningful. Uh, in terms of hospitality or a business degree or anything like that but the term and the the job type that I had was general manager and probably to date um, well maybe not to date but certainly at that stage I was probably the most general manager that they had in that there was no role within the business that I couldn't you know that I couldn't step into so whether that was back of house, kitchen, um, front of house, bar, floor, cloakroom, right? So you think of all the things that you have to do within that organization. Mm-hmm. So you have the cloakroom, you have the pay desk, um, 
you have a security um, and then you have the really basic cleaning toilets doing this doing that doing the other blah 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 blah, blah. Um, so the, if any member of staff from any of those sections wasn't available I could do that job competently and, and do it well so that that's very general scope you know where someone who has completed their three-year degree or whatever or, or went ahead and done a master or something like that yes they've done a placement maybe uh, in whatever you know in a hotel or something like that but there's only so much there's only that's only a snapshot so I think you do have to cut your teeth mm-hmm. if you're going to be if you can proclaim to be you know a, 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 you know an authority on these things so you have to do your 10,000 hours yeah yeah could not agree more um and you know but the, would I be considered or maybe what's different now I think people are, are sort of more more impressed by experience and more impressed by um, you know time spent on the job as opposed to you know academics but 15-20 years ago it probably would have been the third level education but it's circling back around yeah. to that first coffee shop in Hill, or that coffee shop in Hill Street yeah. it's circling back around to the petrol station in yeah. Cookstown it's circling back around to where you are now yeah. there's no way in hell you could have learned that stuff no. at university I think the most important thing if, if you're going if you're going to make that decision to work especially within the public domain and work with the public you have to just get in there and do it you can't do it remotely you can't do it from a computer you can't do it from a textbook you can't do it um, by reading case studies you have to get in there and do it and I know times are hard and it, you know employment is you know bottoming out almost but um, it is just all about getting as much experience under your belt as you can get and getting your foot in the door and, and not yeah. to take away from the educational route because the educational route is still important but you need to get out there and you need to knock that door you need to get in there and cut your teeth in industry yeah and I think the most important thing is is if you don't have and passion is a weird word especially for Irish people right because you can't really say it without somebody going you know because uh, people find passion's just writing <laughs> but it isn't um, so I, th- I think if you don't have a passion for something you should just forget about it you know um, you can't create a passion for something you can't learn it you can't wait for it to evolve um, it's either there or it isn't would it, be, would it be fair to say Leanne that you're in the like myself the unemployed camp we're just we're just not employable anymore um, would you find it difficult to go back into an organisation would you find it difficult to work for somebody else no are you happy doing what you're doing not all the time and I think that's what business is all about yeah uh, no I would have absolutely no problem taking direction from someone else um, being someone's subordinate doesn't doesn't annoy me in the least. That's because as long as I'm secure in my in, in where I would be in that business and you know the tasks that I have to complete and you know the things that I am able to do. If I'm secure within that, I don't care if I have a boss or if I don't have a boss. You know because I'm happy doing the job that I'm doing. You know and I'm confident in doing that job. So it doesn't matter. You know. Um, I didn't get. I didn't decide to work for myself because I couldn't take direction from someone, or because I wanted to be the top dog. Because realistically, even though we are, the, I am the boss of this shitty organisation. My boss is the customer. 
you know the customer dictates everything absolutely so if I because people say especially touching on the social media thing again um, how do you get away with saying the stuff that you say I'm saying what do you what do you mean like you know look you know you say what people think and you know and realistically you know locally yeah I'm like oh so controversial right but in the grand scheme of things I am really not controversial at all right I don't say things that offend people you know willingly again offences taken not given um but I don't come out with anything that that's you know you know left feel that it's really like wow but at the end of the day if my customers start to dislike what I'm doing well they're my boss because they're not going to spend their money with me you and know? they'll just go elsewhere so yeah they'll yeah so the, that's you been called to account by your you know by your boss as such so even though you're running your own business you are your own boss you're still accountable to fundamentally to the customer 100% and if you think that you aren't then you're wrong and you're a fool now you mentioned this earlier on before we wrap up how can people find out a little bit more about the social media workshops that you run in particular the are they are they still workshops. are they still a thing because i know we had a conversation loosely about this about two years ago yeah. you were walking your dog okay across by the town hall there yeah. we, we chatted about a few things um is that still a thing it is and it is i is it a loose thing it's a very loose thing people had sort of come to me um individually uh, looking for you know hints and tips on their social media and i would sit down with them and i would probably maybe spend an hour to at least an hour um talking through you know what you know what i think they should do right and to be honest right and this again is you know part of me not seeing pound signs and seeing people instead i would maybe give them a slap of you know semi-innovative ideas for them to take away and you know and i'd say you know say somebody in a i don't know a candle shop and they're trying to you know pimp out their stuff i'd be saying right well what would i do if i owned that candle shop i would uh, i would maybe produce a very you know small you know votive candle or something like that you know pick a a memorable date uh you know create like a holiday or create something you know and give out a load of these candles and say to people photograph this and put it on instagram and you can win whatever Right, so that that would be a way of, of promoting, you know, blah blah blah. Right, that's that's just off. But you're still available stuff. to help people. Yeah, somebody. But that's not getting me anywhere because I have spent two hours with someone. They've got two hours of value. Of value, and even right. So, like you know, forgetting someone, the pound someone, signs. Yeah, someone listening to this podcast, we've talked about say a dozen things. Right, we have. So. If someone listening to this gets value out of one of those things, then that's valuable. So same thing applies. Uh, so and then I realised, you know what, this because I'm doing this over and over and over again, and suddenly two hours here and two hours there could turn into maybe twenty hours a month, right? And somebody who is savvy would say, well, if I was charging fifteen pound an hour, there's three hundred quid. But I think there's where we need to take Leanne McCoy online, where people can buy a subscription to that content. Exactly. And does, that's does, what does we Leanne, need to do. Does Leanne Cooey have a passion for, for that? Passion and dedication to and do that. But could Leanne McCooey not collaborate to make that happen? Because there is a lot of work involved in that. Let's be honest. There is a lot of work involved in, in it, yes. In, in, in getting that process, those thoughts down on paper, 
that somebody yeah. would say pay you something for that well that's where I decided Do you know what? I'm having I'm, I'm having the same conversation over and over and over again because those basic fundamentals of social media you know stay basically fundamental yeah. regardless of the sector correct, correct. Right? so having to repeat myself all the time was what was getting on my nerves so I thought well sure I'll put this down in a very crummy powerpoint these basic fundamentals and then open it up to asking you know asking questions so fundamentals how I apply the fundamentals to my business and what the achievements per se have been and then throw it out to questions so that was basically a two hour sort of thing two three hours absolute tops uh, workshop so call it what you want and some people would get something out of it some people maybe not so much uh, but again it just it condensed all those you know mini conversations that was having sort of unilaterally all around the place into one thing so if you haven't heard it you know from you know in that three hour thing you're not going to hear it from me yeah, yeah, so you yeah. go elsewhere go elsewhere right so pay 25 pound to hear it and if it doesn't suit you well then sorry but you know so people want to find information about that let's say there's somebody listening and how can they find out about it is there a facebook page is there a website do they call in here and go hey leanne listen to podcast uh probably the the, the most uh direct form of communication with me is probably on facebook messenger or instagram or instagram um, and what is the instagram instagram is just at mccoy's nearly that's for my socials right across the board apart from twitter because I try and keep things not work related on Twitter. I tend to keep things, you know, Northern Ireland politics and dark meme content based on there. So I think I'm at McCooey comedy. Okay. On there, um, but I did I did set up a I do have a, a company called Ginger Social. So uh, Ginger Social. Ginger Social. And they have a Facebook page. Do a Facebook page. Is it updated regularly? No. Does that say to me that I don't have passion for it? Yes. Okay, so if people want to find out more information, those are the ways to go about it. Those and I think there's probably another conversation that we can have on that front. More than likely, but I've been collaborating with people for years. I'm still single. <laughs> Leanne, thank you for joining me on, on this episode of the podcast. It's thank been you. fun. I knew it was going to be fun. And I didn't, really, I didn't as, really swear it, that it, much. I, I was just going to say that it wasn't as explicit yeah. as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed. Are you disappointed? I'm sorry. I could read off an absolute, you know, a non-exhaustive list of no. profanity if you want. We'll keep that. And I think there was a list of that. Didn't you bring out a list of something? No, I, well, it, it was a, yeah, yeah, it was a, an A to Z. See, I follow a lot of this an stuff. Yeah, it's very, I yes, see a lot of your permeated, stuff. It's permeated the consciousness there. Yeah, it has. Yeah. And that's what you want to achieve. Yeah. I'm much more intelligent than you give me credit for. She's surprised. There look at her. She's well, look, surprised. it's been fun. Let's it pick this up fun. again. Yes. And I know that you're going to put this out as well yes I do have a podcast which is followed give it a plug please yeah, by uh, very few people it's called Modern Life is Rubbish okay and it is available uh, on Spotify and Podbean and ever, all of those sorts of places wherever you get your podcast from it's, it's on there and no it isn't a blur related uh, podcast it is just literally I do think that Modern Life is Rubbish there we go and I'll make sure that I make reference to that in this in the show notes as well when I do a summary up of all we've chatted about today it's been brilliant it's been fun Super. and I think definitely there's more scope to do a follow up on this okay Leanne thanks sounds very much like a threat. appreciate thank it thank you there we go an hour and 13 sorry kid no that's good that's good it's